Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. What do you look for in a healthy church? That is our topic because we want to understand what God expects us to be. The first thing that you look for in a healthy church is biblical preaching. Because it is in the Word that we understand what God wants us to be and how He wants us to respond to His love and His grace and His mercy. Scripture tells us that it is the Bible that gives to us direction. And Paul told Timothy, preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Because it is the Word of God that makes a difference in our lives. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and helps the child of God do the work of God. You got that, didn't you? The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and helps the child of God do the work of God. Now, there are three distinctions that we want to talk about as we study what do you look for in a healthy church. The first distinction that we're looking at right now is that we want to be involved in biblical worship. Worship that exalts Jesus Christ. Worship that recognizes it's not about us, but it's about the wonder of God working in our lives. Now, I want to give you the next two because this is where we are headed. Not only do we look at biblical worship, but we also look at biblical discipleship. Sanctification, growing, developing, being challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Christ. And frankly, when we worship God and enter his presence, we can't be the same. And so we are going to spend quite a bit of time in looking at biblical discipleship. And then we're going to talk about biblical service. As I quoted Ephesians chapter 2 this morning, For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. Gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. That then drives us to service. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Biblical service. So that's where we're headed. But it starts with biblical worship. Now we have discovered that in biblical worship, you can worship in some very unusual places. In John chapter 4, Jesus worshipped in an unusual place as he went into Samaria. And there the woman at the well was confronted with who he was as the living water. No matter where we are, no matter how unusual it seems to be, we can worship. And we also recognize that worship is about a person, it's not about a place. As we opened up the book of Revelation just very briefly and looked at chapters 4 and 5, we discovered worthy is the Lamb who was slain. It's about a person. It's not about a place. 
And then last week we went to Isaiah chapter 6 and discovered that you cannot worship apart from the holiness of Almighty God. Isaiah saw the Lord of hosts high and lifted up. His glory filled the temple. And the seraphim around the the throne room cried, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And then they make this incredible statement. The whole earth is full of his glory. Amen? Amen. And you and I ought to be full of the glory of God. And the holiness of God needs to drive our worship. But our worship has to be intentional. And here in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is helping us identify that intentional worship needs to flow from our lives 24-7, 365. You never take a day off from worship. You never take a day off of God working in your life. Aren't you thankful that God doesn't take a vacation? And with our relationship with a holy God, we need to recognize that our worship is intentional 24-7, 365. Now, Romans chapter 12. If you were to read the book of Romans, you would discover that Paul in the first 11 chapters has identified what we believe. He's talked about salvation. And Paul says in Romans chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And the reason I'm not ashamed of the gospel is because it's lived out in my life. And it is God doing his work for his honor and his glory. You're not ashamed of the gospel this morning, are you? We are here identified with the wonder of God's love. And then Paul moves into justified, justification where he says, we are justified by faith. He moves into sanctification and he talks about glorification and he talks about God bringing the family together, Jews and Gentiles. It's what we believe. Wednesday nights. We are talking about know why you believe what you believe. And last Wednesday night, I put up two statements. Statement number one was this. It is the truth because I believe it. That's not quite accurate. Here's statement number two. I believe it because it's the truth. Just because we believe it doesn't make it true. But it is true, therefore we can believe it. And our intentional worship grows out of our beliefs and a recognition of who God is and what he is doing in our lives. You know God this morning? You have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ? Have you believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and been saved? If that has taken place in your lives, and I trust it has, then it is that truth that makes all the difference in our worship. Verses chapters 12, 13, 14, 15, and 16 of Romans then tells us how to behave because of what we believe. 
And Paul begins chapter 12 by saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Now stop right there, will you please? The word urge or the word appeal is an interesting word. It's the word parakletai. And it's the form of the same word that we get when we interpret Holy Spirit or the Spirit from the Scriptures. And it means to have someone come alongside us and to encourage us and share with us. Paul could have said, I command you guys to do this. Maybe Moses would have put it that way. But Paul comes alongside us and says, I want to encourage you. I want to urge you. I I want to share with you. You know, it's so necessary that you and I come alongside each other. Is there anyone in this worship center this morning that doesn't have any needs? May I see your hand? Because I'd like to pray for you. Terry, you have needs because you gave me a prayer card. We all have needs, right? And one of the ways that those needs are met is for people to come alongside us and encourage us and put their arms around us and help us. I need you and we need each other. And Paul says, I urge you, I come alongside you, I share with you, I walk with you. This is a journey that we are going on together. There should be no isolation within the family of God. And it's okay to have needs. Because that allows someone else to enter your world and be part of your life and minister to you. Please, discover what needs people have and how you can share in their lives and come alongside them and help them. I appeal to you Therefore, now every time there's a therefore, you want to see what it's there for. The preacher's commentary says this, the word therefore is one of the most underrated words in the English language. Therefore is like a hinge on a door that acts as a link between the wall and the door and enables the one to relate to the other. In Scripture, therefore, holds together doctrinal principles and practical applications. It is therefore vitally important that we consider the dangers of the principles theory that's unrelated to practice and the practice that is unrelated to principle. Now, what's the therefore there for? Are you still in Romans? You with me this morning? Look over at verse 33 of Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? 
for from him and through him and to him all things to him be glory forever. Amen. The therefore is there to remind us of the wonder and greatness of our God. How great is your God? How big is your God? How wonderful is your God? Is there anything that your God cannot do in your life? Is there anything that should distract you from your God? Is there anything that you and I do not owe your God? We have a great God, amen? Romans chapter 12, you still there? I urge you. I come alongside you. I'm walking this way with you. The journey that we have in our lives is a together kind of journey. Isn't that great? I urge you, therefore, because of a greatness of our God, I urge you, therefore, and Paul identifies one of the qualities of God, the mercies. Aren't you thankful for God's mercy? Lamentations tells us that his mercies are new every morning, great is his faithfulness. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 identifies the God of all mercies. And mercy is God not giving to you and to me what we really deserve. I urge you, therefore, I come alongside with you because of the greatness of God and his mercy in our lives, to be ready to worship. I urge you, therefore, my brothers and sisters in Christ, because of God's mercy, Let's get intentional about worship. Now, there are four truths that I want to share with you out of this passage this morning. Four keys that unlock our worship together. And it's necessary that we understand what these keys are. The first key is the rest of verse 1, where he says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, and here it is, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. King James, reasonable service. The first key that we need to understand is this. Healthy worship requires a total commitment and sacrifice. You can't worship halfway. You can't say, okay, God, if you want to talk to me, that's okay, I'll listen, but otherwise just leave me alone. A chicken and a pig were having a conversation one day. And they were 
challenged by a sign that they saw. Help feed the hungry. Yeah, that's a good thing to do, isn't it? And the chicken says, we should donate some ham and eggs. <laughs> and the pig says, for you it's a contribution. For me it will be a total sacrifice. Now we chuckle at that. But the reality is, most of us are willing to make a donation. We had a time when we celebrated our stewardship this morning, right? And when we do that, most mornings I will say we will worship our Lord with His tithes and our love gifts, and we're willing to make a donation. We're willing to give an offering. But are we willing to make that a sacrifice in our lives? Something that is more than just I urge you therefore brothers by the mercy that you present your bodies a living sacrifice circle that word sacrifice will you please it has the idea of complete and total without reservation the bible tells us that we are to love the lord our god with all our heart with all our soul and with all our mind that's complete that's total without reservation amen and we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. How much are you willing to sacrifice for God this morning? We bring a sacrifice of praise. Oh, really? Yeah, but the music is too loud. Yeah, but it's not my style. Yeah, but somebody sitting next to me is off key. How many yabbits do we put in our worship before God? If you have not taken the time to read Radical by David Platt, you ought to. Get ready to get convicted. Because Platt tells us that in the American culture in which we live, living a life that pleases God is a radical kind of life. And it is. We'll talk about that in just a minute. If you've read David Platt's book and not read Francis Chan's book, Crazy Love, read it. I think it's interesting. Chan says that crazy love is total and complete love. The kind of love that God has for us and the kind of love that you and I are to respond to. Now what's so crazy about that? John Piper has a book out that is entitled, 
God's passion for his glory. If you're a Piper fan, get a hold of that book, will you? Because this sacrifice thing, when we recognize God's love and God's mercy and God's work in our hearts, really isn't so crazy. Really isn't so radical. Because it's just reasonable as it flows from our lives. Now, the first century Christians knew something about worship. In the Old Testament, offerings were required. And as those offerings were required, individuals were to take doves and lambs and goats without any blemish and present them to God. It was an offering that they were to make and they were required to make this sacrifice, giving it to God. And you say, well, what's so big about that? I remind you that in the Old Testament, most of God's people didn't have a lot of herds and a lot of livestock and a lot of means. And when they were preparing to... To make an offering, they would have a, a ewe lamb, for instance, that would be born, that qualified for that, that offering. And then they would take that ewe lamb into their home and raise it as their very own. And the reason they did that was so that it would continue to have the qualifications as, as being without blemish and without spot. They wouldn't let anything happen to that. can imagine how attached they would start to get to that little lamb, can't you? And then if you read Leviticus chapter 1, they had to take that lamb, they had to slay that lamb, they had to put their hands on that lamb, and they were required to make a sacrifice to God. That was a sacrifice. I don't know how many of you have in your home. Now I can understand what it is to give a cat as a sacrifice. But don't, don't ask me to sacrifice a puppy dog. In the Old Testament, they were required to make a sacrifice. Here in Romans chapter 12, Paul says, be a living sacrifice. And it's not make a sacrifice, it is be a sacrifice. You see the difference? A living sacrifice. That's almost an oxymoron, isn't it? Two opposite terms that are put together. Living sacrifice. To God. And Paul says it's to be done in a free will way. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, 
Now, I kind of wish he'd have been a little more specific. I, I wish he'd have said, present your time as a living sacrifice. I wish he'd have said, I'll present your, your treasure as a living sacrifice. Or, or maybe your talents as a living sacrifice. Because that would have been easier to quantify, right? Check it off. I put a check in the plate this morning. There is my sacrifice. Check it off. I shared in somebody's life this week. That was my talent. You can all check the box of time this morning, right? You're here. That wasn't what he said. He said, present your bodies a living sacrifice. That kind of includes our tithe and our time and our talents and our testimony, right? Turn over with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, you are well aware that the believers in Corinth were not a good example as to how to live the Christian life. And one of the reasons they struggled was because they struggled with their bodies. Verse 11, Paul reminds them, and, so, and such were some of you, but you are washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Think with me about everything that God has done in your life. I got a text from one of our folks this past week and they were sharing with me how God had worked in their lives and they say God is good amen so I texted back after I understood what they were sharing he said wow you're right God is so good and they texted me back. Boy, I love these kinds of conversations, don't you? And they said, we knew this already, but sometimes God just shows off. Isn't that great? Sometimes God just shows off. God has shown off because we're washed, made clean. We're sanctified, set apart. We're justified, declared righteous. And it is all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't that great? But look down with me at verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Who? Never! Whoa, that hurt, didn't it? 
after he had said, you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified, he, he now says, whoa, be careful what you do with your bodies. Be careful because if you're not careful, you may make your bodies just something that you do with as you like for your own pleasure. Oh, wow. Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit which belong to God. Wow. I urge you, therefore, brethren, back to Romans chapter 12, to present your bodies living sacrifices. And how is that then defined? Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable worship David Livingston said this I never made a sacrifice we ought not to talk of sacrifice when we remember the great sacrifice which God made as he left his father's throne on high to give himself up for us An army ranger by the name of Matt Best has just written a book. It's entitled, Thank You for My Service. One of my disappointments in my life is that I didn't serve. That I wasn't in the military. And my son has a habit when he goes into a restaurant or into a public place and he sees someone wearing a hat or a shirt that identifies them as a veteran, he goes up to them and he says, thank you for your service. Amen? That's a good thing to do, right? We could go around this worship center and I could say, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Matt Best says, thank you for my service because it was a privilege to serve. Thank you for allowing me to serve. Thank you, God, for allowing us to serve and to present our bodies living sacrifices to Him in worship. Amen? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father and Holy Ghost. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Oswald Chambers. My utmost for his highest. Wonderful devotional book. 
June 13th, Chambers writes this. We have the notion that we can consecrate our gifts to God. You cannot consecrate what is not yours. There is only one thing you can consecrate to God, and that is your right to yourself. Romans 12.1. If we will give God, if you will give God your right to yourself, he will make a holy experiment out of you. God's experiments always succeed. What's God trying to do in your life? You see, the reality is healthy worship requires total sacrifice that's intentional. It won't happen by accident. Because of who our God 